morning, church. Let's give it up for the music ministry. Uh, it's been an incredible service so far. Welcome to everybody who's visiting, who's, uh, you know, we're all visiting in a sense that we're here, but uh, I hope you feel like family. I hope you feel like uh, friends with everybody. I hope you feel loved this morning uh, because I truly believe that's what the house of the Lord is supposed to feel like. And so welcome again to the Eugene International Christian Church. You know, it's, it's Palm Sunday. It's an exciting time to be together. And, uh, you know, this is Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And uh, Jesus knew going to Jerusalem that no prophet would die outside of Jerusalem. And he knew that he was going to be laying his life down in order to save many. And it's amazing what we get to celebrate, not only today on Palm Sunday and next week on Easter, the resurrection. We get to celebrate that every day of our lives because we get to walk that closely with God. But on a more uh, kind of, uh, you know, current note, welcome to spring. I mean, we're officially in spring. The season changed, uh, I believe it was on Tuesday the 20th, uh, that, that spring kicked off officially, and it's a beautiful time of the year. I mean, yes, the flowers are growing, the sun's trying to come out, it will come out early. the temperature's going to raise, you know, there's snow up on the, the, the mountains there right now, but... I believe it's all going to get melted out, and we're going to be able to have awesome hikes during the spring and summer. Yeah! It's going to be a great time, and I think the birds are happier this time of year. Come on, God. Uh, they start singing a little bit more, and uh, the colors brighten. The green gets a little bit greener, more of like kind of a neon, uh, surreal kind of green, and it's a, it's an amazing time of the year. Uh, Manuel mentioned it for the college students. It's spring break. So, uh, just a side note for college students: spring break doesn't exist in the working world. So. Uh, Chapter 6. So let's be turning our Bibles there. You know, as we go to Genesis 6, 
I want us to keep in mind, and you can write down for your personal uh, notes in Romans 15, verses 4 through 6, the Bible says, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity amongst yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's incredible that the vision that the Spirit puts in, in, in writing here through Paul is that, man, that everything that was written in the past, which we're about to go way back to Genesis chapter 6, we're going to see the account of Noah here, it was written by the Holy Spirit to give us encouragement, but it was also to give us endurance. Now, a lot of times we want to be, we just want to be encouraged. Doesn't it feel awesome to be encouraged? Joy and I were talking about that yesterday, is that, I mean, we, we organize as a people, we organize so many award shows, right? We got the Oscars, right? Why do we do that? Because, I mean, people feel so good. It becomes a recognition. They carry the rest of their life. And why as a people do we gather millions of people on a yearly basis in all kinds of different places and give awards? Because we love to be encouraged. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that, you know, that's why we have the Grammys. That's why, you know, corporations give 5, 10, 20, you know, all these different awards and, and, and things like that. Because people love to be recognized. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, unless it gets to be a, a vain kind of thing. But I believe that being recognized, that's awesome, you know. We, we want to be encouraged. And, and God's whole hope is that we would be encouraged through the scriptures. But that also they would give us an endurance. You know, I think of endurance when I think of running. And uh, running takes endurance. Uh, pushing your body, whether it's working out, whatever it is. I mean, study. You know, I know so many students just came off the finals, and you just, like, see them, like, that Wednesday and the Thursday and the Friday, and then it's just, like, the finals finally finished, and there's this endurance that happened. Uh, but it, it was a drag. But, man, they're, they're grateful that they got through it. And in the same way, our spiritual walk, you know, the Scriptures are there to give us encouragement. To give us hope, to give us vision, but also to give us endurance, which means it's going to take perseverance on our part in order to do some deep spiritual cleaning biblically so that we too can be able to have some spring cleaning in our souls and we can have the endurance and encouragement that we need from the scriptures. Let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 here in verse 1. And our first point this morning is deep cleaning stems from deep caring. We're going to look at the account of the flood here. We're going to look at Noah. We're going to look at, at God's, you know, take, so to say, on spring cleaning. That God looked at the world and he said, there, there needs to be some cleaning done to the world here. And deep cleaning, it stems from deep caring. Well, you know, there's some people that won't do any spring cleaning. And I don't judge you. I don't. That's what, not what we're here to talk about spring cleaning. <laughs> but there's some people who are going to be totally, I mean, they just care that the air is nice in their apartment. They care their home or they care that... It's just going to look nice, going to feel nice, that, you know, that they're going to breathe in, no mildew or those kind of things, or mold. They, they want to make sure that there's a deep clean. And, but there's some people that really don't mind just kind of living however, you know? And spiritually, we can't have that attitude. Um, spiritually, we've got to have the attitude that man, we're going to do some deep cleaning in our souls. Come on. We're going to get rid of the stuff, the mildew, the mold, the junk, whatever it is that's, that's holding us back from just being the fresh, bright light of the world. I thought it was awesome, that song that uh, Ryan sang for us right there. I mean, you can't stop, won't stop love, and shine bright. I mean, that's an incredible uh, message. And I believe that's what God wants us to be able to have. Amen. And so here in Genesis chapter 6, that's not where the world was at. So the Lord had to do some spring cleaning. 
Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, When men began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord, the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. His days will be 120 years. Then the Philion were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I made them. It's amazing to see how much God cared. To see that God was involved with mankind. I mean, since Adam, I mean, God had a conversation with Adam. Isn't that amazing to say that? There was, a, there was mankind and there's God who's, who's perfect, who's, who's all-powerful, almighty. And God has been had a vested interest in mankind since the beginning. And here's God looking at the world. And, and God's not a, a God that says, oh, yeah, the world's corrupt. I'm good. I'm not in heaven. It's awesome. It's all good. That's not God's heart. God's heart is to care about people. And actually to care about the spiritual state of where people are at. And because God cared so much, his heart was full of pain. You know, God looked around the world and he said, man, because the inclination of the hearts of people, I'm not going to contend with man forever. I mean, when you study out what this means, he says, my spirit's not going to remain in a person forever. He said, you know what, there's going to be limits to, to, to what I'm going to allow and tolerate. And I'm going to step in and I'm going to do something great in order to reach people and to wake people up. It's amazing to see how deep. God loves. And then he saw that the inclination of the thoughts of people's hearts were evil. Amazing that God can just look straight through an individual. I mean, they can look through, oh, it's a nice suit. My dad bought me this suit that uh, he got married in. My brother gave me this uh, shirt here. It's a nice, nice shirt. And Alan gave me these shoes. Yeah, these shoes are pretty, pretty snazzy right here. God looks through all of this stuff, and he looks at the inclinations and the attitudes of God. And that's the best of interest that God has in all of us. He looks past the, the what we see and how we come across the people or, or, or how we, we portray ourselves. And God looks at what's really going on in the heart of the world. And God looked at mankind and said, man, mankind is just bent on, on wickedness, on pleasure, on this, you know, just desiring to have what they want. And, and I, I look at these times and say, it's not really different than times are today. I mean, people are inventing ways to do evil today. I mean, whether it's drugs, whether it's parties, whether it's you fill in the blank, terrorizing it. I mean, it's, there's so many things that are going on. I mean, people are just thinking of different ways to fulfill this desire of their heart, the inclinations of evil, just to get by to feel good. And that's who I was. I mean, I knew what I liked in life, and I just knew how to figure out how to get it. And I didn't really have a sobriety. I appreciate what Kevin was sharing, you know, is that Jesus was, was all about the follow-through. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, the scriptures were written about Jesus. Yeah, he got on the cold. He went into town and he said, you know what? I'm actually not going to lay down my life. 
And I think for us, you know, we can be very, very aware of what the Bible says. We can look at the world and we can say, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, God probably just overlooks it. And we got to realize that God has a vested interest in our souls. And the deep cleansing that God wants to do, it comes from a deep care about our well-being spiritually for eternity. And God looked at the world and he says, we got to start over. I mean, God was grieved that he made mankind. Does that mean God made a mistake? No, God doesn't make, ever make mistakes. But God freely gave good free will to mankind so that we could do whatever we want. I mean, literally, we could do pretty much whatever we want right now. I could literally go in and, and just go take stuff out of a store right now. I could push people over. I could, I could do anything I want right now. I have the free will, and so do all of us. And we look at the world, and, and God's not going to make robots. I mean... I'm grateful I get to be married to Jawali, but, you know, it's not like um, we love each other. We choose to be together. It's not like we're, we're robots to each other. No, there's a love that we've decided to build this relationship with only these two people in the world. Come on, right? And God says, you know what? I'm going to give you guys free will. But God was grieved. He said, man, I made mankind in my image. And, look what and he says, I've got to do some deep, deep cleaning. And God says, I'm going to flood you. I'm just going to get rid of all of this stuff so that we can totally start over. Well, let's go down to verse 11. Come on, bro. Verse 11, the Bible says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. See, so oftentimes we say, Oh, it's not that bad in my sight. It's not so bad. I mean, everybody else is doing that. It's, it's legal. It's okay. If, if, if everybody's... we got to look at what is God's perspective. Right. And, and God says, it's corrupt in my sight. How do we figure out what God's vision is? We just read the scriptures. This is the vision of who we're called to be, where we're called to invest, where we're called to put our hearts, our souls, our time, our talents. And in God's sight, we can use all these things that we've been given for good. But we've got to line them up to what's good in God's sight. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. God saw how corrupt earth had become. For all the people on earth, they corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all the people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. That's amazing. God understood the impact of, of one soul on other souls. And he said the earth was corrupt because of them. You know, all of our lives are influencing people right now. You know, I used to go and party and I used to drink and I even tried drugs and and you know what I do in public? I would approve that getting drunk is okay. And I just said, I'm just doing this for myself, but I didn't realize that I was evangelizing the people around me and the pictures that I put up and the things that I would do. I was sharing my faith that this is okay to do. Wow. And you fill in the blank with any kind of sin. And God looked at the world. He said, man, because of people's inclinations and their evil ways, it's filled the earth with this just destruction. And God said, we're going to start all over with a fresh start and do some true spring cleaning. Our second point today is God remembers those who hold on. Because oftentimes we think it's such a big battle. The world's so dark. What is little old me going to do? I'm like an ant, you know? Like sometimes I just feel like, you know, you look at the globe and you're like, Man, where would I fall in this globe? I wouldn't even be a speck, you know? Like, you'd have to make, like, a nano dot right there. And yet, we're supposed to reach the entire world, and I'm supposed to be influencing people. How in the world does that happen? 
Yeah. We've got to realize that God remembers those who hold on. Yeah, we look at the state and God said, I've got to do some spring cleaning. I've got to clean up the whole world. But watch how he remembers those who are staying true to him. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 18. The Bible says, but I will establish my covenant with you, referring to Moses. And you will enter the ark, and you and your sons and your wives and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Yeah. Yeah, I just imagine if, if, if we're living in a place, I mean, at the time of Noah, the inclination of people's hearts are evil all the time. They're doing all these different things. That was the generation that Noah lived in. And yet God was able to just look through all the corruption and find those who were living and God says to Noah, I found you not corrupted, but I found you righteous in this generation. Isn't that the story of a disciple? Isn't that the story of somebody who decides to, to be all in for Christ and to give up everything and to walk with Jesus. And no matter how dark the world gets and no matter what's going on, that God's going to find us righteous in our generation when he comes back. I mean, that's an incredible place to be. And we've got to realize that God is so powerful that God can look through any situation he can look through scores and scores and millions and billions of people to find one righteous person. That's how personally invested God is in the souls of all people. Wow. We go down to verse 8 here. Let's go, B. We kind of get some insight to this task that God called Noah to. But hold off on reading, actually. I wanted to kind of make this picture. I mean, here's God calls Noah. He says, I found you righteous in this generation. And here's what I want you to do, Noah. I want you to go get a male and female of every living creature. How would you do that? Uh, he mentions the birds. I used to just read over that real quick, and I'm like, I see birds all the time. Like, how are you going to go catch a bird? <laughs> is it male or female? Okay, it's a male. Oh, this one. And you go like catch another bird. Oh, it's another male. Oh, I can't take this one. I got to go. How in the world? I mean, this task is is amazing. And I used to read this and be like, man, is that really possible? Seemingly, God gave Noah an impossible task. Yeah. And the task God gave Noah was impossible with man. Yeah. It was an impossible... I mean, we're given the task to evangelize the world. Come on. Yeah. How, we have an rich Eugene. No. There's 150,000 people in the city. There's almost 10 billion people in the world. And God give it, has given us the task. We're raising missions right now. Why are we raising missions? For world evangelism. Really? We're going to evangelize? Yeah, we are. <laughs> It's seemingly an impossible task. But if we read verse 8, what happened? It says, pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the, water, the floodwaters came on the earth. Now, not only did God say, go get a male and female of every creature and birds and, and all this, he says, you've got to wait to do it. And what, did, what was Noah's task in all of this? Just be faithful and just be obedient. And what happened? God brought the animals. Noah didn't have to go out and figure out, this is a male, female bird, you know, sparrow, we got a raven, we got the dove. You know, how are you going to catch birds like that? No, God brought the 
animals, and all Noah had to do was be faithful and be obedient to the call of God. Come on. That's awesome, bro. You know, the things that we're called to do as disciples, some of them are challenging. Yeah. They're hard. They're impossible on our own. But yet, when we stay faithful, when we stay righteous in the eyes of God, God doesn't forget us. And God works on our behalf to be able to make the goal happen, whatever it is that God has. And so if God wants us to, the goal is to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them and teach them to obey everything. You better believe that the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we're faithful and obedient to the vision. And then we just trust God and God's going to bring people in. That's what's going to happen. Now, we're going to have to go do stuff. God gave Noah a clear direction as he's coming. Go make an ark. Right? He gave him the measurements to make it. I mean, can you imagine what it was probably like from all these other people? Like, dude, why are you building an ark? It's not raining. Like, it hasn't, we don't get a lot of rain. The world's going to flood. I mean, he had to build an ark on dry ground. Can you imagine what people were probably saying? Sometimes you can feel like that as a disciple. People are like, dude, why are you really denying yourself? Why don't you just go enjoy life? Why are you carrying your cross? Why don't you just have fun every now and then? Let loose. And, and we're like, no, God's real. Like, God wants us to do the right thing, like he's given us a call to, to actually deny ourselves and to repent and be disciples and build up his kingdom. And, and so often there's people all over saying, oh, it doesn't matter, it's not that big of a deal. And can you imagine if Noah was like, you know what, it's really not that big of a deal. I know he said to do this and to build the ark this way, but you know what, I'll do it my own way and you nobody's know, perfect. <laughs> Noah's, heart, Noah's heart was, wow, I'm going to give my best to God. Yeah. I don't know if Noah's ever really built something like this before. Build an ark this big, and I mean, seemingly seemed like an impossible task. I don't think they had like Jerry's or Ace Hardware that you just go and get some nails. Like, I mean, it was a very, very challenging task. And the things God gives us are challenging. Yeah. But we gotta ask, are we impressing God with our faith? You know, we can do all the right things. We can we can study the Bible with people. We can use all the right scriptures, and nothing ends up happening because we're not impressing God. I had to really look into my life and say, is my life impressing God? Is my prayer life, when, when God looks at that, is God like, man, this guy really believes. This guy really, really wants to be close to me. Is my prayer life impressing God? Is my, is my Bible study, is God saying, wow, this guy really wants to know my word? This guy really wants people to be saved and to, to come to a knowledge of the truth. This guy's really out sharing his faith. This guy's really embracing his purpose. I've got to look at myself and say, is that what I believe God would say? And sadly, I, I look at myself sometimes and say, I don't really know if God's impressed by, by, by me. Now we know David's heart in Psalm 51. He's like, man, you're not impressed by sacrifice. You're not impressed. You don't need anything. All you want is a broken and contrite heart. Yeah. This is that you won't turn on me. And we got to realize, just like Noah in his day, God was able to look through all the corruption and just zoom in on those who were living it's the same thing today. Is that it doesn't matter how people are living around us. Yeah, we're influenced by people, but we're all responsible for our own walk. Come on, God. Yeah. My walk with God, it doesn't depend on, on Joel, you know, reaching out to me and giving me the best scriptures of like this best banging Bible study, you know. Like my walk with God depends on me actually building my God. And all of us have got to have that same conviction, is that we all have a, our own personal walk with God. God gives us the scriptures. He gives us people to encourage us and give us strength along the way. But all of us are accountable to the word of God and lining our lives up to God's perfect, perfect plan. Come on, bro. And God is able to look through all the corruption and look straight at those who are righteous. You know, my challenge simply from this point to us today, start impressing God.
Or maybe you've been, keep impressing God. Impress God a little bit more. Get a little bit more, you know, uh, contrite in your prayers. Get a little bit more broken. Get a little bit more open in your life about, about cleaning it all out. Putting it all on the table so that there's none of those hidden demons inside. You know those, those hidden demons, like the things you know you need to talk about, but you don't really talk about them, and they're just like starting to like just tear you up inside. Yeah. And then you're like becoming weaker and you're weak. And like at some point I know I got to talk about this. And, and you don't really want to do the spring cleaning. Let's do the spring cleaning today. Just get it out. Get it clean. Get it in the light. Let's impress God with our pure walks with Him. And let's see God move on our behalf and bring people into His kingdom. Amen. <laughs> so let's go to chapter 7 and verse 17. It says, For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth. And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark flooded on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Every living creature, living thing that moved on the earth perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out, men and animals, and the creatures that move along the ground. And the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days, but God remembered Noah. Wow. It's amazing, you know, the world can change. Life can change. Tragedy can hit. Things can go on. But yet when we stay close to God, God will still remember. Our situations, we're all going to get older, you know? Money's going to come and go. Times or health is going to come and go. And so health's going to go. That's going to happen. But you know what the truth is? Is that we can stay close to God through it all. And we can just build with God. And God's going to remember us. And that's my whole hope for us as, as, as a people seeking God. Is that we live lives where we're just going after impressing God. You know, for me, so often I can want to impress people. I want to look good in front of people. I want to look like I don't have mistakes. I want to look like I don't mess up. And, and I've got to realize that all that matters is that I'm impressing God. And I want us to all have that heart. You know, I want to have that heart more and more. And if, and if that's not my heart, man, talk to me about it. You know what I mean? We're a family. We're a church where we want to, we want to do great things. We want to see God move on our behalf. But the only way that's going to happen is if we're righteous in our generation and we're staying close to our God. Point number three. Let's get into the ark. <laughs> oh, you want to be in the ark when the flood came, right? Well, this is pretty much the beginning of the Bible. This is Genesis chapter 6. Now we're going to go to one of the last books of the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to see how the first century church was inspired by Noah and the ark. In 1 Peter chapter 3, By this time, Jesus had come, and he preached, and he, he healed, he reached people, and he taught, and he made disciples, and he went to the cross, and he was crucified, and resurrected, and now we're about 30 years after this, where the church is going, it's growing all over, and, and, and we have the Apostle Peter here, as he writes to be able to encourage the saints of the first century. And you know, this message would be no different for us, because we still want to be those saints who are in Christ. Man. It's no different than today. And if Peter was going to use the story of Noah, the account of Noah, to inspire the first century church, I hope too that we can be inspired by the account of Noah and see how it relates.
to not the physical ark. As Tony was sharing, is that we're not building the physical walls, we're building the spiritual walls. There was a physical ark in Genesis chapter 6, but we're going to see what it means to be on the spiritual ark yeah. here in 1 Peter chapter 3. Come on, bro. I'm going to pick up here in verse 10 and see God's vision for the church. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now so many people say, oh, that was a Noah time with God like really getting involved and being against people and corruption. No, that's a now time as well. It's that God's it's not any different. God's not going to come and he's not going to flood the world. He made a promise. That's why the rainbow, uh, the rainbow is actually the covenant of God's promise that he wouldn't flood the earth again. Yeah. That's where the rainbow came from in Genesis early Genesis But what we got to understand is that man, the vision for the church is that nobody would have to do good. They'd actually seek peace, right? If we get in, in arguments or bombs like that, we'd actually say, you know what? I want to do what's right here. I want to apologize first. You know, I want to, to seek peace and then pursue it, right? I mean, in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Jesus says, the peacemakers, those are the sons and daughters of God. I mean, that's an amazing place to be is to be able to be called a son or a daughter of God. It belongs to those who are making peace. And that's what was, was being preached in the first century. It says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. God will find the righteous just like in Noah's day. He found the righteous amongst the corruption. And God's eyes were fixed on Noah. And here in the 21st century, that doesn't matter how corrupt the world gets, God's eyes are going to be fixed on those who are staying faithful to him. And the Bible then goes, says, but the Lord, the face of the Lord is against those and what happened to the evil of that day? They weren't on the ark. They got flooded away. They got wiped out. They, they were destroyed. And in the same way, we get to be in a spiritual ark in the new covenant. We get to get in the spiritual ark. We're going to look at what that looks like right here because Peter just totally lays it out as clear as day. And I remember when I first saw the scripture, I was really, really inspired. Let's go to verse 15. It says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. So here's our first uh, requirement to be in the spiritual ark. In our hearts, deep down, Christ needs to be set apart as our Lord, as our master. Say, so you know what? At the end of the day, life can get crazy, things get crazy, but, but my focus, Jesus is going to be my Lord. He's going to be the one that I surrender to. He's going to be my code of ethics. He's going to be the one I go to and, and get input from, from the scriptures. Jesus just set apart in our hearts. Above any relationship, above any job, any school, any you fill in the blank. Jesus is just totally set apart in our hearts. Yeah. That's a requirement to be on the spiritual ark. But what's the Bible going to say? It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. How are we going to be prepared to give answers to the hope that we have? Our hope's found in the scriptures. I mean, my, my hope, literally my hope, is that the sky's going to split one day when Jesus comes back, and I'm going to be taken with, along with a whole lot of people um, to be able to go to heaven. That's, that's literally my hope. Come on. And I hope that's all of our hope, you know, is for all of us that we decide to be disciples. We want to go to heaven. We want to help people go to heaven. Yeah. You know? And the Bible says that the hope that we have, we need to be prepared to give an answer. Why do we believe that? I can tell you why I believe what I believe. Because I'll show you it in the Bible. Yeah. This is why I believe what I believe. 
You know, so oftentimes people maybe have an experience or they have, they heard somebody or, you know, through pastor this or pastor this or uncle or grandma or this, 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 and, it's, and their hope is now built right there. It's like, why is your hope built there? That's what, you know, that's what my friend's talking. Well, who's your friend? Oh, it's just a person, he had a great experience and he's just like, okay, where did that, tell me about it. I don't want my hope to be built on something like that. I want my hope to be built on the on the solid word of God. Isaiah chapter 40, it says that, you know, all glory of mankind will pass away, but the word of God will last forever. We want to be prepared to give answers. We want to set Christ apart in our hearts. We want to help people come to a knowledge of the truth. We've got to deeply know why we believe what we believe. Why as a church do we believe in, in studying the Bible with as many people who are open to studying? So that people can know the truth. That people can know, man, am I on the spiritual arc? Am I out, you know, at the beach? If the, if, 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 you know, God comes back to reconcile mankind right now, am I in the ark? Am I going to be okay? Or am I going to be like the guy washed away, like in a hurricane? I want to know. And it's a biblical command to be prepared to give an answer, to know why you believe what you believe. Sometimes people say, you know, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I just want to believe that God just loves everybody, that God didn't flood the world, that there weren't only eight people saved back then. I mean, that's a pretty small number of people. That means that's like 15% of this room were saved. I'm not saying that's the case. That's, that's, that's what happened in Noah's day. I'm not the judge of that. You know? That was Noah's There was only eight people in the entire world who were saved. And what we've got to realize is, man, let's get prepared. Let's know our scriptures. Let's let's get people in our lives. You know, when I first started studying the Bible, I grew up going to church and mission church teams, and I was working two jobs, and I was very very loyal to both of my jobs, and and it took a lot of sacrifice for me to study the Bible. I wasn't married; I didn't have kids, and uh, that's a whole different ballgame. That you know, I'm mean, so awesome being married. We're so excited to have our baby, uh, but it's going to be a, just a different way that that we operate. You know, for me, I was a single guy couple jobs. I was busy, but but it was a sacrifice to make time for you know, to study the Bible. The sacrifice for me was to sacrifice my gym time. That was my biggest sacrifice. That was a big sacrifice for me at the time. Um, because I was a religious gymaholic, you know what I mean? And so some days, I actually get this, I worked out like six days a week. There were some days I didn't go to the gym and I did Bible study. It's a big sacrifice for me. That's a big sacrifice. And you know what? I was like, this better be worth it. Because I know what I'm, I'm giving up in order to, to do this. And by the time we got deeper into the studies, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, God. <laughs> I should never speak like that, you know? I'm really humbled out there. Uh, but we got to be prepared, you know? I, I encourage everybody to get some Bible studies. You know? Even after church. I mean, set up something for Monday, for Tuesday. Get, maybe it's a sacrifice. Maybe it'll get in the way. I, I believe that, you know, you sacrifice for what you love. Yeah. Well, and as your heart falls more and more in love with God, when my heart falls more and more in love with God, I'm going to be able to make time to be prepared to know why I believe what yeah. I believe. Okay, but how does that have anything to do with Noah? Verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built. And so it's amazing that now Peter's using this example of Noah, and he's saying, God was so patient in the days of Noah. 
Noah was building the ark. I mean, here was a righteous person building. We can call, maybe call it the kingdom. We can call it whatever. And people would look at him like, that's a waste of time. We're doing our own thing. We're having fun. Sorry that you're doing this, you know, daunting task of building an ark. <laughs> and some people look at making disciples. They're like, you know what? You guys go do that. Me and God are good. We're doing our own thing. We've got our own communication, our own understanding. And all the way, God's like, man, just go build the ark. You know, I'm sure Noah would have liked some help building the ark. But sadly, nobody thought it was worth their time. Yet, that was the will of God. Wow. Wow. And, and the Bible says God waited patiently during that time. I mean, God was like, man, I'm giving people an opportunity. and giving people the chance. And, but people aren't ready. They're not willing to change. And God waited patiently in the days of Noah. And let's see what we understand about here. Verse 20. Who disobeyed long ago. He waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water, talking about the water of Noah's day, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to Him. Isn't it amazing? How is the first century church getting inspired by the the, the ark, I mean, he's saying there's a spiritual ark that you can be a part of. You know what? That water in Noah's day, that water symbolized the way it washed sin all out of the world. That's the water that now symbolizes baptism. Awesome. And that, that baptism is now what saves you also. Awesome. And if you want to be right with God, you've got to set Christ apart. You've got to make a decision to be a disciple. You've got to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of all your sins. And now you can live the Christian life in the spiritual ark. Yeah. And it's amazing how the first century church was inspired by this. And yet you preach this message in the world today, and man, people are living. No, we want to just pray Jesus in our heart. We want to feel good about that. Do you see what the Bible, the Bible says? This water of Noah's day symbolizes baptism that now saves you. Also, it says it saves you by the resurrection. When somebody's baptized into Christ, Jesus said you only baptize disciples because... They first got to set Christ apart as Lord. Yeah, there it is. Baptism isn't like a, just a spiritual hobby that you go do because, right. you know, the church said to get baptized. Yeah. No, baptism is reserved for those who've been made into disciples. Yeah. Who set Christ apart in their heart that they've made the decision, we're going to go build the ark. We're going to build a spiritual ark that's going to stay together, that's going to stay close in this dark generation. And yeah, there's going to be a world that says it's not worth it. And there's just going to be inclinations of evil and they're going to want to still go and do drugs and party and be immoral and have sex and do all these things outside of marriage that the Bible says is wrong. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to keep building the ark. Come on, bro. Come on, I'm not going to give up inviting people to come build the ark. Come on. Bro. You know what? I don't have to offer what the world has to offer. The ark is hard work sometimes. But God won't forget you. Come on. It's challenging. You'll get persecuted sometimes building this ark. Yes. But you know what? God's eyes will still be on you. So we close out. Let's close out Matthew chapter 24. Come on, baby. And I couldn't think of somebody better to teach about the ark than Jesus. As we gear up here for our Easter next week. In Matthew chapter 24, here in verse 36, Jesus talks about him returning. He talks about the second coming and how this is going to be such a glorious time for those in the spiritual ark. He talks about how this is going to be such an amazing time for those in his kingdom who've been totally washed, have been cleansed, and, and have been found righteous in their generation. 
And in Matthew chapter 24, as we close out here in verse 36, Jesus says, No one knows about the day or hour. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the end of the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. How didn't they know anything about what would happen? The Bible records Noah as a preacher of righteousness. Yeah. You see, you can hear preaching all day long, yeah. but if it doesn't penetrate your heart, you have no idea. I sat in church for, for, for years and years and years. I had no idea what it meant to be a disciple, yeah. what it meant to be saved. I knew how to be religious. Sure. Yeah. And the people of Noah's day, they had no idea that this was going to happen. Yet Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What does that mean? People didn't make time in their lives to know the word of God and to know God's will. Wow. They knew nothing, in verse 39, about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know at what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in His household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant, whose Master finds them doing so when He returns. I tell you the truth, He will put Him in charge of all His possessions. You know, Jesus reflects on, on the days of Noah, and he says that in the days of Noah, people had no idea the flood just came out of nowhere. And he says that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. Is that people are going to be eating, they're going to be drinking, they're going to be getting married, they're going to be doing all these different things. And, and with no idea, Jesus is going to return, and there'll be judgment. Now, that's scary if we're not lining our lives up with God. How encouraging is it if you've given up your life to build the kingdom? But, you know, why do we give missions? We give missions because we really believe we're going to evangelize the world. Why do we push ourselves to pray and to read and to fast and to get close to God? We really believe that Jesus is going to come back. Yes. And the Bible says, who is the servant? We're the servants. Mm -hmm. Those who have been made into disciples, those who have been baptized, those who have been washed by the the blood of Jesus that are living in the light who are walking faithfully with God. I think of there's gonna be there's gonna be a couple reactions on that day. There's gonna be like a the humble reaction is gonna be like because oh. <laughs> we know we don't deserve anything, but like we, we really believe like we're are we, I believe we're living this out, right? So it's like, you know, and then there's the what Adam did in the Senate, he tried to hide. You know, for us, my encouragement is, let's take spring cleaning to heart. Come on, spiritually. Come on, bro. Let's look at God and say, God looks at the world and he says, he'll look past all the corruption and he'll find the righteous. And God's heart is to clean this world up of sin. Come on. 
And that's got to become our hearts, is to say, why are we disciples? Our purpose is to help other people become disciples. Maybe you've been baptized, you're in the spiritual ark. My encouragement is stay in the ark. Just stay in it. You know what? The, the waters might get rough, you might get moved around, and, but it's going to be worth it at the end. Yeah. Maybe you're sitting here today, you say, you know what? I don't know if I'm in the ark. And set up some Bible studies so that we can be sure that we're prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. And as the Lord does spring cleaning on our souls, it's a deep cleaning. And it comes from deep caring. And let's know that God remembers those who hold on. And let's all get in the spiritual ark. And to God be all the glory.